Hello, welcome to the Lone Show. I'm your host, John Maylone. In this episode, don't have regulars because reasons, sadly. As for our guest, he's from Florida, currently in Vero Beach, maybe in the same state. And he is an agricultural inspector. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Justin McSweeney. Hi, Peter. Hello, audience. Nice. So, how's life? Oh, how is life? Hmm. Yeah, life is good. From my narrow perspective, just me, it's good. All right, then. Very good. Have you been up too much recently? Uh, that, unfortunately, I haven't had anything really spectacular happen recently. Just uh, more the mundane uh, patterns of going to work and, and doing the odd stuff that I do when I'm not working. Ah, uh, okay. So... What is it you mainly do for a living? Okay, well, you mentioned I'm an agricultural inspector, and this is a recent uh, change for me. I had owned a business prior to that, and I happen to be a plant geek, so I answered an ad for somebody to go and do agricultural inspecting. And so it's a program within the Department of Agriculture in the state of Florida that goes out into citrus groves and looks for diseases and the vectors of those diseases. So that really scratches the plant geek uh, itch in me. And as a bonus, when I'm out in those uh, properties in the groves, there are uh, ancillary uh, systems of uh, what they would call hammocks or marsh communities or prairies or things like that. So I get to, you know, go wander around and have ADD moments out in those fields. So that that's uh, fulfilling, at least to me, <laughs> probably not to anybody else, but at least to me. Okay, that's nice. How long you've been doing that for? I, I just five months. I started in May. So. All right, then. And what have you done before that? Uh, prior to that, uh, in terms of business or, or, or occupation, I had a landscape business and I worked with doing landscape maintenance and a little bit of design and install. And it was my business. So I uh, kind of not necessarily my own boss because I had about 40 to 45 customers and they were my boss, but I could fire myself from somebody if I didn't get along with them or things weren't going well or working out so that yeah, was kind of nice but uh, again that 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 speaks to uh, my interest in plants botany horticulture things like that i was able to scratch that itch through there nice nice what inspired you to be so fascinated with plants and such <clears throat> uh is this an adult show or is this for is do we have children on board <laughs> there, there's a lot there's much older audience okay. mainly listening all right I uh, when I was a teenager, I used to grow a lot of dope. So yeah, it's, my love for plants started in a sort of, uh, ne not nefarious, I, I wouldn't consider it nefarious, but the, the, the laws of the of the land at the time uh, frowned upon these kind of things. But yeah, when I was a kid, I used to grow uh, grass. And, 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 and so in doing that, I, it's, you know, it, it taught me how to be a good grower or be a good gardener or whatever you want to call it. So, so it was born of that. That didn't last very long. And then I uh, fell into uh, when I moved to Florida in the early 90s, in my early 20s, I developed uh, uh, an attachment to or, or an affection for uh, palm growing, palm culture and tropical plants, rare fruit, uh, Florida natives, things like that. So I started to uh, get curious about what was growing and what was around. And so I just basically transferred my interest in, in the uh, illicit uh, manufacture of, of certain 
uh, herbaceous plants to to going into uh, these other things. So <laughs> I, I went above board and legitimized my my passion, I guess. Oh, okay. That makes sense, I guess. It doesn't have to make sense. <laughs> if you're a plant person or, you know, if you have a weird OCD obsession with anything, I guess maybe it resonates, but it doesn't have to. It's all good. All right, fair enough. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Uh, well, again, this probably speaks to the plant nerd in me. I would live in a, a mount, mountain climate, somewhere where the temperature doesn't vary uh, by much. So I, being the American that I am, I will use Fahrenheit. So anywhere from about 80 degrees to down to no less than 60, 65 degrees would be ideal, both for me and for my interests in, in growing plants and so forth. Ah, very good. Which plant and or animal do you think should be renamed? Well, uh, I don't have much of a, an opinion on that, but I follow in taxonomy and uh, in, in the nomenclature, uh, they're constantly changing names. And it's funny, though, and it, God, I'll probably bore people to death with this, but they, they uh, because of genetic sequencing, they can uh, really sort out what's what. In, in the old days, it would come down to somebody's subjective interpretation of what a flower looks like or, you know, how a plant expresses itself, but now they can sequence genes and and uh, get a little more detailed. And sometimes that involves creation of new names, or or it'll actually involve uh, sort of a lumping together of of new um, nomenclature of the of, of nomenclature into a into a uh, specific genus or set of genera or or species. And so myself, I I think people should I, we should have a little more fun with naming things. And there are what they call honorific names, and so you could name uh, a, a new bug species or, you know, a new plant after a person. And they've done that sometimes with uh, people in, in, you know, rock and roll stars or, or artists or whatever. So, hey, you know, I'd probably give some credence to people that uh, I, I appreciate in, in acting or music. And I don't have that authority. Uh, so yeah, if I could, I would. But yeah, that's what I would do. I would name plants after uh, probably very unusual people. All right, then. Very good. What fictional item do you wish you owned in real life? Fictional item that I own in real life. I'm trying to give me just a second to think about that. Uh, probably something that if it was fictional, no limits. Um, something that would prevent me doing stupid stuff uh, five minutes before I actually acted on it without my knowing. Maybe something like that. <laughs> Keep me from screwing up as much. Oh, that's like a rewind button. Sort of a pre-wind to rewind. Yeah, it would it would oscillate back and forth between pre and re because, uh, you know, obviously it would it would be like Laplace's demon. It would know what's going on in the future. And if you're a determinist and you know, uh, so you, you take a, a, a what do they call it? The chain of causality and, and it knows what's going on in the future. So something some predicting machine like that that would just, again, keep me from doing stupid stuff <laughs> or opening my mouth when I shouldn't. <laughs> OK. It'd be my like like my coach, you know. It'd be like, hey, dude, seriously, don't don't do this in ten minutes. Really, it's, it's not gonna it's not gonna end well for you. Maybe maybe that maybe something like that. Oh, okay, that makes sense. What could you give a fourteen minute presentation on without any preparation? It would be incredibly boring, but I would give a presentation on how to hold tension between metaphysical inquiry ontological inquiry and sort of philosophy of mind, but yet at the same time, not 
uh, landing, knowing that it's speculation and not landing on anything concretely. So it would be incredibly boring for most people, just like my plant uh, fascination. It would probably bore people to tears, but that's what I could do for 40 minutes. I could blather on tangentially about uh, philosophy of mind. Ah, sweet. Yeah, I love that stuff, but not it's not for everybody. <laughs> Fair enough. What kind of music do you often listen to? Oh my God, you got an hour? <laughs> yeah, I got all the time in the world. Wonderful. Uh, so I'm all over the place. I historically, I guess I liked uh, you know sort of garden variety classic rock when I was younger. But uh, so my range of taste goes anywhere from uh, late Baroque to early Romantic classical music to um, satanic death metal, black metal to industrial noise to soundscape compositions that are uh, you know, very ambient, uh, you know, sort of meditation-y type stuff. Uh, jazz, um, not so much country music, maybe old stuff from the 70s and the 60s. But um, yeah, I'm all over the map. Um, in fact, I just found a band today that plays, it's uh, a quartet of women out of Austin, Texas. And, um, oh Christ, what the hell is their name? But I uh, just discovered them today and... I've already forgotten their name. That's what happens when you get into your 50s. <laughs> and you grew dope when you were a kid. <laughs> you forget stuff. But um, anyway, they were cool. Uh, I'll find out in just a second. I got the uh, computer. I can cheat on it. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm all over the map with music. Don't, don't really um, have a favorite. Oh, okay. That's, that's fair. If you, uh... could create, if you could create your own job title, what would it be? Oh, the group's called Die Spits, just in case anybody wants to check them out. So, uh, if I could create my own job title, hmm, retired uh, and um, drawing a stipend from some wonderful benefactor who has no strings attached, and it's enough for me to get by for the rest of my life. Because again, I'm in my mid fifties, and wouldn't it be nice to just be lazy for the next thirty years until I. I pass on, but uh, job title as far as laboring and working, um, uh, maybe palm cultivator because that goes back to my plant geek thing, I guess. You know, like I can make a living selling palm trees to people or or fruit trees, maybe. I, <laughs> I hope that's a satisfaction answer because that's, yeah, probably the best I can come up with. Okay, cool, cool. What would a world? populated by clones of you be like oh for christ it'd be horrible it'd be a nightmare <laughs> so so let me ask you this question is it is it would there be other people that would be subjected to these clones or is it is it just me is it a population of me and that's it it's only you holy christ that would be awful well it would be fun for the first 10 minutes and then we'd probably all kill each other i think good great yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's just, you know, think about the reverberation there. I mean, you would have, how, how many would be cloned? I, I don't know. Pick a number. How many of us, how many of me would be there? Somewhere in the billions. Oh, for love of God. Yeah, yeah, it would be genocide, I, I would imagine. Can you, I mean, think about it for yourself, Peter. Just, you know, if there were a billion of you. I, now, it depends on, you know, the level of contact. Like, are, are we all isolated or do we, are we all sort of thrust upon each other? Well, uh... I just assume that society goes on as it always does, like so societies, right now. societies, cities. Yeah, hmm. It'd be kind of interesting. Hey, you know, it might go the other way. It might be really kind of like a really bad comedy. Uh, 
you know, like a surreal, knowing my mind, it would turn out to be some uh, Jan Spankmeyer type movie, just horrifically surreal, uh, dystopian, but nonetheless funny, I guess. I don't know. Because I, I, I kind of have a sick imagination, so I would probably uh, form societies that would uh, exist only to sort of torment the other aspects of myself, uh, but all in good fun. You know, it's just, it, would be, it would be an interesting uh, kind of psychodrama. Yeah. Oh, yeah. for sport, of course. You know. And then we'd make oh, up, and then we'd get along for a period of time, and then we'd find another reason to have uh, more bizarre <laughs> psychocomedy or whatever. You know? None of it would be malevolent. There would be no, so I'm joking about the genocide thing because you know I'm just being cynical. But no, I, I think it would just be very absurd. Yeah, yeah, that'd be crazy. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a billion of me would just uh, no. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> yes, life goes on. Life goes on. Yes, with with only one me, which is perfect. That's that's plenty. Yes, perfect. Do you like spicy food? Uh. I like spicy food, but as I get older, my body tends to want to negotiate the amount of consumption of spicy food by way of prior experience. So, uh, yeah, when I was younger, I could eat. I used to um, chop up. I would chop up a couple of jalapeno, uh, habaneros and throw them into an omelet. That's how that's kind of the level that I was at. Or I would take that capsaicin infused hot sauce. that was like a million Scoville units. And I would you know, sort of generously apply that to things. But I couldn't do that now. In fact, I've heard you've probably heard of that ghost pepper chip challenge or whatever that they're doing that's just oh, like yeah. kamikaze man that's insane so i do like hot but not not painfully hot not to punish myself anymore that uh, those those days are over all right then fair enough have you ever experienced anything supernatural well i don't believe in the supernatural i've, I've seen some weird stuff but um i'm I, I, I just have no, for me, this is just me talking. I have no room for supernatural. So, um, yeah, I've, I've, weird stuff's happened from time to time, but nothing, eh, nothing noteworthy, nothing that would make the pages of a tabloid magazine and, you know, like a three-headed alien or something like that. Nothing, nothing that exciting, unfortunately. You know, I would love that to happen, though. It really would be interesting to have something like that show up, like, I don't know, some, some weird creature or, yeah. But unfortunately, I've not been fortunate enough to uh, to be in the space and and time for that kind of thing to come up for me. So, yeah, no, nothing supernatural for me. Ah, all right then. What is the one thing you can't live without? Other than oxygen and water, um, hmm, probably humor. Maybe I could probably go maybe a couple hours without being a smart ass or being sarcastic, but it would start to tear me up a little bit after that. So I, I'd say I couldn't go without being uh, seeking the humor in something, you know, seeking, seeking uh, a, a punchline in, in something that I experienced. Okay. Very good. If you could travel back in time, what decade would you want to live in? Mm, of the 20th century or what, what century are we speaking of? Any, any, any century will do. <clears throat> well, I was a hedonist when I was younger, so maybe mm, like 1965 to 1975. I know that's not a proper decade, but so, oh, you, you know, you can confine me from 65 to 70, or I, I wouldn't want to live before 1965, but yeah, somewhere in that period, just because of the raw hedonism that was going on in that time period. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. 
well, then you were probably there if you forgot about it. <laughs> uh, or you were somewhere very adjacent to that. because <laughs> There was an old uh, cliche that if you, if you remember the 60s, you weren't really there. I was born in the late 60s, so I, I, I lived for a total of about three months during the 1960s. So. But it's mythical to me because of the, of the music that was going on and, and all these different things. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, fabulous. What, what, what restaurant do you eat at most? I, I try to I try to um, go to family owned businesses and not corporately owned restaurants. I owned a restaurant years ago and that taught me th that appreciation to not uh, give my money out to corporate or, or franchise restaurants. And it, it's not a big thing, but I just rather that, that uh, people who own their own business uh, get get my patronage. And uh, typically I would prefer to go to a restaurant that has um, uh, you know, what we would call ethnic food or food that's not what I typically consume. So, you know, I can cook a lot of stuff because I owned a restaurant. I, I know how to cook. So I can cook a lot of stuff for myself. So if I go out to eat, I want to eat something that's that I can't do, you know, something from uh, maybe Vietnam or Ethiopia or somewhere. That I just have no clue, you know, and, and let them do it for me and do it right. Ah, all right, then. How did you spend your last birthday? <laughs> I did absolutely nothing. It was three days ago and I didn't do a damn thing. <laughs> it was just another day or whatever, nice. whenever Monday was, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, birthdays don't mean a lot to me, but, um, uh, my wife was nice to me and, and she got me a Napoleon, one of those desserts. And that's the way to my heart. So I had that for dessert. <laughs> that was probably the highlight of the day. Otherwise it was a work day and yeah, I didn't really pay much mind to it. Oh yes. Another day in the life. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah, it's all cool. What incredibly common thing have you never done? Wow. You're stumping me here. Uh, incredibly common thing. Hmm. Boy, that is a deep and profound question. Incredibly common thing that I've never done. Uh, hmm. Y you got me, man. You stumped me on that. I, I can't think of something common that I haven't done. Is that a trick question? That is not a <laughs> trick question. Okay. Uh, let's see. I can't even give you a, for instance, that might even be not so common that I haven't done. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So I haven't been on a jet ski. I've never bothered to uh, drive or boat or maneuver or whatever a jet ski. I don't know how common that is, though, but I've never never operated a jet ski, nor have I operated a motorbike for more than a hundred yards. That's fairly common. Uh, so, so the, so the valve slowly starting to open on this, uh, old, uh, tired old brain of mine. But yeah, I think let's do that for two, two answers there. Motorbikes and jet skis. I've, I've not had the pleasure. Ah, of course. What should they teach in high school, but they don't? They should teach a course in the reality of adulthood taught by people like George Carlin or Lewis Black, some really unhinged raving lunatic that will scare the hell out of those kids and, and really let it sink in what what's ahead, but in a funny way. Ah, all right then. Yeah, I, I, I would love that class. I would be like, are you kidding me? This guy is my new God. Lewis Black. Are you kidding? <laughs> or, 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 you know, rest is, uh, 
his little soul, uh, George Carlin. I mean, geez, I would be so thrilled to see somebody like that telling me how horrible life is going to be when I'm 10 years older <laughs> or how cynical I will be in 10 years or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that would probably, uh, I, I think, what do you think? I mean, do you think that would be a good course? Yeah, that'd be pretty good. That would yeah. be good to know. Yes. It's, I mean, because the whole point of school is to prepare you for adulthood, but then they don't give you that really dose of, of just dry acerbic uh, cynicism, you know, just to say, oh my God, you do not want to reach 26 or 30 or whatever, you know, it's just going to be a, anyway. Uh, yes, of course. Would you rather never age physically or never age mentally? Mm, I would take never age mentally and allow my body to die in proper time because I would not want to be physically immortal and then be a sort of more of a mental vegetable than I already am. <laughs> it's it's kind of a, a Moloch's deal either way, but I think I would take the the uh, ageless mind and a limited body. You know, let me let me die when I'm in my eighties. Sweet. Yeah, if I'm that lucky to live to my eighties. Yeah. But yeah, I'd love to have some sharp mental acuity at eighty, you know, or eighty five or whatever, you know, instead of a doddering old fool. Uh-huh. So anyway, what is your favorite life hack? Uh, mm, I've got, so having been a cook, when you open those little cans of tomato paste that are smaller than any other can ever made for, for food containment, that when you take the can opener and try to, you get the lid open, a lot of people will grab a little spatula and try to scoop the very thick tomato paste out, just flip the can over and cut the other side open and then push that little metal piece through. That's the only meaningful thing I think I could dispense in terms of wisdom to humanity at this point. Uh, you know, I could talk about other things, but that's very practical is if you're going to use tomato paste, just flip the can over. And if it's one of those obnoxiously small cans, just open it on the bottom and then push, push through. Yeah. All right. Very good. Yeah. I hope that changes lives. I really do. It sure will. Yay. What's the longest trip you've been on? <laughs> Can you contextualize that for me? <laughs> I mentioned I grew dope earlier. So <laughs> what kind of trip are we talking about here? Like a, uh, a road, road trip kind of thing, you know, flying in planes or? Commute, a plate, yeah. point A to point B. Okay, thank you. Uh, yes, yeah, so that trip uh, kind of trip uh, was from Orlando, Florida to Dubai, UAE. I don't know how many miles it was, but it was about a 16-hour flight, probably about seven or 8,000 miles, somewhere in there. Okay, then. I like Dubai, but I prefer other places, more traditional-like. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I've never really been anywhere super exotic. I've, uh, in, the, in the Western Hemisphere, I've been to places in Central America and South America, but and Europe, Western Europe. But yeah, Dubai was probably the furthest jaunt that I've uh, undertaken. All right, then. What's your favorite holiday tradition? Mm, I'd say I, I'm somewhat of a contrarian, so I don't really celebrate holidays. As I mentioned, my birthday came and went without me doing anything about it uh, or acknowledging it in any uh, meaningful way. And so that applies to most holidays, except for in spirit. I love um, days like Guy Fawkes Day, uh, Bastille Day. Um, and, and in those days, I sort of reflect upon, uh, uh, 
humanity's desire to uh, cause a little trouble once in a while and uh, disrupt the system. So that's probably the best I'm going to do. I don't, I don't, oh, oh, so I eat food in America. We have Thanksgiving. So I, I eat a big meal that day uh, because I usually go uh, hang out with uh, my wife's family and, and they cook a lot of stuff. And so that, that's probably the most traditional thing I do. And I enjoy it because, you know, who doesn't like to eat? Uh, a good meal. So, so, but for myself, very selfishly speaking, it's things like Guy Fox and, and Bastille Day where I, I uh, celebrate, uh, you know, upheaval and things like that. All right, then. Have you ever thought of a world that is just a big, massive garden? <laughs> well, would you intuit that I may have done that? Given all the uh, plant geek stuff that we started with in the beginning? I, yeah, I'd say... Uh, I wouldn't want it to all be, well, garden. So it's like a cultivated garden kind of planet. I'd, I'd rather it be a kind of wilder planet with just plants doing their own thing. Cause, um, tending that kind of planetary garden might be tedious unless there are forces that go ahead and curate and cultivate that. And I guess that would be good, but yeah, I'd say, uh, um, I'd, I'd prefer a sort of natural kind of wilderness type, uh, scenario or, Anyway, yeah. Is, is that a good answer? Is that kind of getting what you were asking? Very good. Just, yeah, okay, there you go. It's good enough. Exactly, right? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> if you could know the absolute and total truth to one question, what question would you ask? Uh, probably go back to the uh, philosophy of mind matter there and talk about revealing kind of scale invariance with intelligence is it is it intelligence all the way down would be the answer i would be interested in hearing if there were some all-knowing again some kind of laplace's demon that could verify that i would say well is is it you know instead of marbles all the way down or turtles all the way down is it is it a scale invariant uh, intelligence in some means that we wouldn't even have access to but nonetheless just that assurance that that might be what it is. So, yeah, that would probably be the, the question I'd want to the mystery or whatever. Nice, nice. If someone wrote a book about you, what do you think its title would be? What Not to Do. Six Easy Steps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not to say I haven't had my good moments, but yeah, I, I, could, I could teach a, or, or a, a biographer could uh, extract a lot of things from my history um that are cautionary tales interesting yeah and not that you know it's it's not bad it's just you know like any of us you know if we could rewind and and do certain things a little differently or with a little more prudence then uh, that that would be that so it's not dramatic it's just you know refinement yeah retroactive retroactive refinement yeah that that or maybe that's the title of the book, Retroactive Refinement One Hundred One, with your buddy Justin. All right, then, pretty good. There we go. We modified that answer. If you were chosen to colonize a new habitable planet, would you take the opportunity? I would be tempted, but I don't know if I'm the person for the job because I would need to know if if it's all my doing would I be trying to construct a utopia or would I be trying to just recreate the mixture of uh, what's going on here, here by mixture, I mean sort of uh, the uh, 
aggregation of different types of personalities and uh, perhaps pathologies as well as uh, normatives as far as normal people doing normal things and would I, would I onboard the pathologies into this new colonized system or would I again be a utopia chaser who tries to make sure everybody's happy and blah 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 blah. That'd be a lot. That's a, that's a big responsibility, especially if you're generating a new uh, uh, ecology of mind or whatever, or civilization or whatever the hell you want to call it. Yeah, that'd be a tough one. Uh, I'd say no. Uh, uh, somebody else can do that. All right, then. What was the stupidest joke you've ever heard? <clears throat> In a pantheon of stupid jokes... Oh, yeah, yeah, you stumped me again on that one because it would take me probably more time than your audience has patience for to try to retrieve uh, a particular joke. Um, I mean, I, I know some dumb jokes, but, you know, probably sort of the classic kids' jokes. Um, but, yeah, eh, I don't know any of them right now. Sorry to be disappointing on that answer because, like, I do like humor, but, you know, the, the, the joke is, is something I'd have to sit and think about to give you a good quality crappy joke <laughs> well probably more time than you have <laughs> it's pretty ironic really thinking hard to come up with a a dumb joke but yes. see i want to deliver quality to your audience quality crap yeah. you know or quality um badness so so i wouldn't want to yeah. disappoint i'd rather disappoint through like this negative process of just not delivering just leaving it a vacuum oh, fair enough fair yeah. enough i'll give you that and that is all we have for this episode. It was great having you on, Justin, talking about agriculture, uh, the 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 keeping it chill kind of thing, and everything else. It's been great. Well, Peter, thank you. It was very unconventional in my on my end. I love it because it's uh, I, I like that. I like what you did, and uh, I, I'm hopefully if the intent was uh, a little bit of levity, then I hope that that's uh, something that was delivered to your audience. Yes, it sure was. It's totally worth it. Awesome. Glad I could be a part uh, of it. Yep. And until next time, stay tuned for more.